0: join me in prayer this morning. Father, I come to you in the sweet and precious name of your son, Jesus, whom in four short weeks we will celebrate his birth, Father, his coming into the world. Lord, as we embark upon our Advent season, uh, Father, this this Sunday morning and and we look at the, the term of hope and expectancy, Father. Lord, I pray that this morning that we have come into this place, into this house, and we have come with an expectancy to hear a word that would move us from wherever we're at to the next place where you would call us to, that, would come into, that we would expect to, to, to be blessed when we walk into this room, Father, this sanctuary, that we would expect to come in contact with your Holy Spirit. Father, that we would expect that your word would come out of of your Bible and it would do what it has been sent to do in our lives. As it says, your word will go forth and it will never return void. Father, that we would expect good things from you, Lord, that uh, as we pray and as we seek you, Father, even though we walk through some shadows and and some valleys in this life, we can trust you and we know that you have our our best on your mind. that that is what you want for us. And when you're, even though that we might be going through something, Father, you're leading and you're teaching and you're preparing us to come higher and closer to you. We should expect that, Father. I pray this morning that uh, over some of these requests that I've been handed to me already this morning, and the things we pray for on a Wednesday night, a long list. Father, there's many in a uh, for need of healing, Lord. Uh, many relationships in need of restoration. Father, there are those who are lost and broken and, and still out in the madness of this world that we pray for, that Father your spirit would be speak to you. Lord, I thank you this, this morning for the, the way that you showed yourself in, in, on Wednesday night here and with the group that we had, this moved among us, Father. Lord, I, I pray for uh, Father just uh, many things, and I think especially Father this morning of uh, a prayer that Frank came and, and asked me to pray this morning for uh, his niece. Um Father, I, I have her name wrote down, and I forget it right now. But you, you know her name, Father, and uh, you know the the deal that she's having with these seasons. You know she has a son named Carter that's two years old. You know that she is Roger's daughter, and you know what it took for Roger to come and ask Frank to to make sure the pastor gets it. This list. Lord, I I pray not only for his daughter and Frank's niece, but I this morning. Lord, I thank you for for the opportunities to go out and visit with him when him and Dylan and Frank are out here playing basketball in the parking lot. I pray, Lord, that. You would continue to work in his life because I, I just believe that you're drawing him closer and closer, Father. Lord, I pray for John who is here this morning, Lord, another one on my heart who's just helpless, struggling, young man. And Father, he sees you. are on him, and Lord, he's having difficulties. And I lift him up. I just prayed for him where, I, I come in, and Father, I, I lift him up to you again. I, I pray corporately with this group of people that your church, your children in here and we stand together in faith for these things that we are praying for this morning lord in all of us we ask that as we seek your face, as we seek your answers lord that we would seek to bring glory and honor and praise to your name as you move among us as you answer these prayers as you draw us in deeper into your love and your grace father i pray these things this morning in jesus name You can be seated. As we come into uh, our Advent season, um, I've prayed about these messages and, and thought about this. I've often said before that sometimes it's, it's, it's kind of a difficult task on a yearly basis to come up with a, a something new and fresh because every year you guys know how the story goes. Advent, we, we work through this stuff. Easter, we, we work through this stuff. It's, We know he rises in three days. We know he's going to be born on Christmas Eve night. But I prayed about that through these past few weeks. And um, I asked God just to give me some fresh insight on uh, uh, this um, season of Advent. And um, as I read, as I studied, uh, I want to give you guys a bit of a history lesson before I start about Advent and uh, where it originated because in truth, uh, Advent is not... um, necessarily in the Bible, it's not necessarily a, a, a um, sacrament, it's, there's two sacraments, which is water baptism and, and Holy Communion, and, uh, but it, it, um, and there's many laws and, and, and decrees, and it's not one of those things either, but what it is, is a uh, tradition that the church has, that has come probably, they say, back in the Middle Ages, um, and it, it's gone through uh, many transformations, And tweaking throughout those times, and it's got to where um, to where we are. And what we celebrate today is is, uh, Advent season. Um, I find it part of the history lesson is um, um, often that uh, when um, we observe uh, Advent uh, coming out of our series from fasting and prayer. uh, Often people fast like they do towards Lent during the Advent season. That's part of the the uh, church tradition, there's, there's many things that go. The word Advent, uh, as I give you our uh, lesson, and I'll get to why uh, what is fresh about uh, this, that to be honest with you, I already knew this, but to just hear it again and to read about it and to uh, understand uh, again that Advent is not just about the coming of the Christ child at Christmas morning, that we celebrate. It's, we are also looking forward, it's part of what is called the uh, parousia, which is also part of the... Um, Advent for us is not just in recollection of Christ being born on Christmas, but Advent also serves for us because we are in a waiting period. We are in a period of expectancy of the return of Christ. Part of that is what Christ did in... Um, when, what Jesus did when he was born in the major, and as he fulfilled the uh, scriptures, the prophecies, especially Isaiah, the one we, we read uh, this morning, Karen and Kevin read this morning, uh, that's a prophecy that uh, uh, was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah uh, nearly 600 years before it was fulfilled. And it was fulfilled to a T. Those prophecies, when, when you read them in the Old Testament and Jesus comes over and he fulfills what is said and done, about him 600 years ago it's not just coincidence or by happenstance, it's done um, to a T God would give them the word uh, that um, as it says here in uh, the Bible when it says um, for unto us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders think about where we are at um, in life think about where we have ended up and understand that it wasn't just prophesied that Jesus would come and be born in this manger, but that he would be walking with us in these last days as we move towards uh, the kingdom of heaven being realized, towards the rapture, towards God coming back and taking us out of this place, taking his church out of here and allowing it to go through the period of, of tribulation. And then from there he comes back, the, the true second coming, where he sets his foot on earth and... Uh, sets all things right in the world and, and in heaven and hell. Again, Jesus foreshadowed that as he came. I want to read again the scripture, not to overdo what Kevin and Karen did, but I want to read the, the, the other parts that were left out, but I'm, I'm going to read the whole thing. Uh, but it says in verse 1, or no, excuse me, verse 2 of, uh, of um, Isaiah 9, and it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation this is parts where Karen and Kevin did not read You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before me, before you as the people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke of the burdens that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor. This is, verse 5 is one, I, I just that kind of blows me away, but yet gives me a sense of peace. Every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be, will be destined for burning and will be the fuel for the fire. He, he's making a reference, Isaiah, that there's, there's going to become a great peace. That's one of the things that we are expecting of as God returns. There's going to be a great peace on earth. It says in the word that the lion will lie down with the lamb. That the, uh, the, the babies will be able to play in the, the, the cocketeer's nest or the, uh, the, they could go into a den of snakes, basically is what it's saying. I'm not suggesting that you try this. But um, the, um, it, it, but they won't be harmed. There will be no death, no dying. They, they, it, it will be such an, an incredible peace. It will be what God intended for us in the first place. Think about the men and women of our armed forces. Think about those of you who have lost loved ones in battle somewhere along the way. Think about you veterans who have served in battle and seen the things that you have seen at some point in time. And, and I, I want to publicly just thank all of you that have served the, uh, and made this country safe and free. But think about the things. I have dealt with um, many people who... Uh, over the years, especially uh, in, in the past few years, as um, the, uh, they deal with PTSD um, and some of the things that go along with that, some of the tragic things that I've had to deal with, you know, most of you that have been around remember the Boon Boys and all that that I had to deal with, that was on account of that God is going to remove those kind of things. And, and when we, we, we look at this and we understand that we're never going to have a need for the war machine once Jesus returns. We won't need soldiers any longer or boots on the ground anywhere defending anything because God will be in control and it will be perfect like it was supposed to be in the first place. We won't have to worry about North Korea or China trying to develop a missile to drop in on us and whether or not our president will send them back. I think, I'm pretty sure he will. But the um, um, we won't have to worry about that. We won't have to worry about russia meddling in our things or a a cold war like we've seen in the years of reagan we won't have to worry about those things because peace will be the order of the day we won't have to let me i'm getting a little wound up so let me finish what um i started here it goes on and kevin karen did read this part it says for unto us a child is born and a son is given And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord will uh, will accomplish this. The the zeal of the Lord, we, we think about zeal often. We think about excitement. We think about passion. We think about being driven and, and having this um, uh, burning desire inside of us. When, when we think about it, we hear this word, that the, the zeal of the Lord. Do you realize that Jesus is a representation of the zeal of the Lord, the God our Father? It took great passion for Jesus to come and do what he did. It took great passion for Jesus to come and humble himself as an infant in a manger. Imagine, and I think of this even more so as I hold a little uh, new granddaughter uh, who weighs about six pounds and um, pretty much perfect, but the, because uh, they all are when they're your grandkid, but the, uh, but I think about just how helpless she is and what God did to take upon that flesh you know she's going through some deals where her formula's not agreeing with her and she's spitting up you know I hate when you eat and you spit it back up I just you get to eat more but I mean it, it's not really serving the purpose but she's struggling through we we're doing the formula change but a couple times she'll be laying there and she spits up a little bit and you can see it's hard for her to get that out and her eyes get big and and she's got to get that stuff out, and you've got to roll her over and help her. And you, you think about that as you hold this little infant child. And you think about the idea. Last week, my, we went down, and, and uh, I thank all of you over Pastor Appreciation, all the gifts and the, the cards I get. I've been using the gift cards, and last week I used the one from Fiesta in, uh, down here. And if you've ever been to Fiesta with me, um, I get the same thing every time. I, I, I know what I want when we go to the restaurant as soon as you tell me where we're going. I know what I'm getting. I get the Build Your Own Burrito when I get to Festiva. And this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but when you think about it, it kind of fits. But I get this Build Your Own Burrito. It comes out, and my daughter looks at me like, oh, my gosh, Dad, can you eat all of that? And, I, and she says, that's as big as Avery. And I said, yeah, it weighs about the same. <laughs> might weigh a little more. I said I only eat about half. I can eat it all if I'm committed, and the restaurant people know that. They always bring it out, and they say, "You're gonna do it today?" I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. I want to. I want. I got things I want to do later this afternoon, so I'll probably take it easy." But when when you think about that, as I think about that, that that child we hold in our hands is—I uh, catch fish bigger than that and, and eat things bigger than that, and, and and I say that to just think about how fragile they are. And how precious they are. And you think about the deity and the power of Christ. Hanging on that cross. Knowing that he didn't have to be there. That he could have called, it says, 10,000 leagues of angels. To remove, that's thousands upon thousands of angels that one could do innumerable whatever they wanted to do, he had that power. He did not have to come, but he humbled himself as a man and came in a manger for us. When you think about that, and I often, this is another part, he came as a baby, and we see that, and we all want to cuddle and hold baby Jesus at at the, at the, you know, when we're there and, and, or whenever we see a baby we're all, we all go googly and talk funny different voices poke at him, and do all kinds of stuff but Jesus was a baby that came as a ransom they were going to kill that baby Herod chased him at two years old the slaughter of innocents took place when Herod couldn't find Jesus and he killed all the, the boys two years and under in that kingdom, trying to eradicate uh, the, the, the Messiah because he feared the fact that he would take over his powerful position that he had. When we, it's a sobering thought, but when you think about things, you, you, you get the magnitude. It's, it's, it's wonderful, and I thank the ladies from the Bible study my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law and my wife and all the work that gets done um, around here for the decorations and having the trees and, and everybody that does. I probably miss somebody. I don't do it on purpose. But the, uh, all the stuff that gets done and changes the season. We, we have Christmas. We have all these beautiful decorations around. It, 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 really, Christmas has nothing to do with that. It has to do with a baby coming in a manger to pay the price for our sin. When you think about that. When you, when you get into the, the deeper thoughts of Christmas, that's what it's about. A baby coming as a gift from God to be sacrificed so that we can get to heaven someday. We are talking about hope and expectancy this morning. The word advent comes and is derived from a Latin word, uh, adventus, meaning the coming, which is also translated from the Greek original Greek word uh, Perusia, which is a term often used, as I said, in the second, second coming of Christ. Uh, here's your history lesson. Scholars believe that during the 4th and 5th centuries in Spain and Gaul, that Advent was a season of preparation for baptism. I did not know this until I studied this year. There's, there's many different traditions that come from different uh, uh, denominations and, and different sects of religious order, but um, I did did not know that. Originally, in the 4th and 5th, it was a season of preparation for the baptism of new Christians at the January Feast of of Epiphany, the celebration of God's incarnation, which was represented by the visit of the Magi to the baby Jesus. They're celebrating God revealing himself to the wise men, basically. And that was a a point of baptism in January, which also represents Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and then followed up by the the first miracle of uh, Canaan, which we know was at the wedding feast where he turned water into wine. Those are all points of recognition. The birth of Christ, Christ made it to earth. The Messiah was here. The baptism of Christ, we realize as the the heavens opened and the Spirit lit on him in the form of a dove, and the voice from on high called and said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased do what he tells you to do, basically. And then in the third, um, his first miracle, where they run out of wine, and, and uh, his mother comes to him and, and says, you know, they're out of wine, what can you do? And he's like, woman, why do you bother me with this stuff? A very small thing that it says to him, but he performs a, a tremendous miracle. He says, go do this and fill up these wires, uh, six pots of water, and and then have them taste it. And he didn't just make cheap wine. It wasn't Boone's farm in there. It was the good stuff. And, and, and the, they, the master of the feast tasted. It. And that's another represent, Jesus doesn't do things halfway. He does things to the hilt, or he doesn't do them at all. He's, he's a powerful individual. It says during this season of preparation, the Christians would spend 40 days in penance, repentance and prayer, <coughs> and fasting to prepare for the celebration. originally there truly was little connection of the advent and Christmas by the 6th century however the Roman Christians had tied advent to the coming of Christ but the coming they had in mind as I said was not Christ's first coming in the manger but his second coming in the clouds to judge the world it was not until the middle ages that the advent season which would have been somewhere in the 500s to 1500s that the Advent season actually uh, was explicitly linked to the, the coming of Christ's first Christmas. Um, there, there's a lot of ways we could go as we study Christmas and, and Advent season, but I want to talk to you about the wreath that we have in front of us, and then I want to finish up with uh, some challenging, a couple challenging questions. Uh, many times when I get asked a, a lot of questions. Um, uh, several questions and much of what we do especially as it's just tradition um, has very rich meaning to it we, but we sometimes we just kind of as, especially as older Christians as Christians that have walked with God for a while we, we just kind of take things for granted after a while we just, this is Advent season, this is what we do why do you do that? Well I don't know it's what we do at Christmas time um, and, and, and sometimes we don't understand the full meaning the Advent wreath. Of itself, when you think about it, um, it's always made with pine needles. It's always green when you look at it. It symbolizes, as you know, when you go out into the woods or, or anywhere where you see a pine tree or a conifer tree, they stay green year-round. They never die and go dormant and die. The greenness of the, of the wreath represents the, the everlasting life that God has in him and for us. The circle, we, you know, we don't do advent square we do an advent wreath and we don't do an advent triangle we do an advent wreath. The circle deals with the everlasting nature of his kingdom. The fact that uh, uh, we uh, uh, when you think about the depth of that that time has no bearing on God he always has been he always will be and he has everything to come. We think about these things I uh, um, and, and, and I hope that when that begins to sink into us, our mind about time, about eternity, about where we're going to, to spend eternity, I hope that we understand. I always like a sermon that Pastor Michael did, not here, but when he was at, uh, at the Anglican Church that he was over for a year, uh, and he had this rope that he had bought, and he, it, he told me about it. I didn't actually see it, but he, told, he said he wound it through the church in and out through his office under the doors, a great big long chunk of rope, up and dragged it around the pews and just had it going everywhere in there. But he had the ends hid. You couldn't see the ends. And it just went through and through and through and all over the place. And he said when he got up to the middle part where he put the middle, he said he had this little piece of red tape that you could barely see about maybe a quarter inch thick. And it was on there. And it, 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 what he was speaking about was the longevity, the everlasting nature of eternity. He said, as far as you can see, this rope has no end. No beginning and no end. And he said, when you begin to think about Christ, when you begin to think about uh, eternity, this little spot of tape, maybe eighth inch, quarter inch wide, that's about how big your life span is. Probably isn't even really that big when you think about it in eternity. That's how big your, your, your mortal life is. Your physical life is. And we put so much emphasis on that little quarter-inch spot and sometimes lose consciousness of the, the, the ongoing concept of eternity. I always liked the, the imagery that that put in my head. Um, truly, when we think about Advent, when we have this expectancy, what we, one of the greatest expectations we must have is, where we're going to spend eternity. Oftentimes we don't think about that as much as we should. We get very focused on this life, and it's easy to do. Our flesh is contrary to the Spirit. We want to, to and I believe God wants to bless us while we're here, but we get caught up in, in this life, and we do foolish things, and we lose track of of. of what we should be doing towards the kingdom of heaven, living for God, living for this kingdom. We, we You know, I also often say when I tell that story, that little speck of, of tape is the life of someone you love as well, as compared to eternity. And we sometimes we, we don't have the time to spend with them, or we, we, we might be a little bit afraid to, sh- to share the message with them, or, or, or whatever it is, you know, it, it goes on... Uh, Think about the importance of that little piece of tape. And then think about the fact that there's no small thing that we do for God. The candles, as I move along, the candles represent, there's four candles, and then some traditions don't have the white one in the center, some do. Um, I like the white one, it's called the Christ candle. Uh, But The first candle that we lit this morning... Uh, symbolizes hope and it's called the prophet's candle and the prophets of old of the old testament especially isaiah waited in hope for the messiah's arrival. now i'm going to come back to that because that's what the questions i want to um, talk about today to uh, to close our sermon out but and I want to talk about where hope is, is, is truly placed. Do we have it placed in the right spot? Um, but, but think about these prophets. Think about the things that they were going through. Isaiah was going through at this time. This was not uh, drive down to Burger King and have it your way right away type of a lifestyle. This was the hard lifestyle that they lived. Many of these prophets were not popular, popular people. Because they spoke out what God was telling them to speak. And then many times it, it came as, as judgment against the people. They, uh, honestly, and I say this, many times that's why we lack uh, the power of the Spirit in our churches today. Is because uh, pastors are actually a type of a prophet speaking God's word. And we're supposed to speak the truth. And many times we just speak the cotton candy stuff so that everybody likes us and and uh, gives us a card at christmas and the uh, uh we forget that little piece is more important than everybody liking us but the prophets they told people the truth because the truth can be a little unsettling at times um the second candle represents faith and it's called the bethlehem candle and we will talk about that next week uh Many times, and I, I, I'm excited, I don't have the scripture here, I'm saving it for next week, but Micah had foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Michael is a minor prophet in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, one thing that's kind of cool, that if you think about it, that uh, King David was also uh, born in Bethlehem. King David was kind of a, a foreshadowing of who Christ would come to be. As he, King David was the most, he was a, a little shepherd boy, and we, I think we talked about this last week, um, who was the least of his brothers, I think he was the seventh brother. Uh, Samuel had come, God had called him out to go and anoint a new king over Israel because Saul had lost favor with him and uh, because Saul didn't listen. So he went down to Jesse, and Jesse paraded all of his sons, the good, tall, big, good-looking ones and everything, the, the older ones, the mature ones. They kept going past uh, Samuel the prophet and he said none of these are these are not it God hasn't said anoint anybody he said "Where's you got any more kids and I said yeah we got one little guy David we just got him out there herding sheep well, get him in here and the minute David steps on the scene God says this is my man he pours an anointing upon him and uh, he goes we know it takes some time 17 years before he actually takes over the throne of Israel, but he becomes Israel's greatest king. He's one of the most popular and well-recognized characters of the Old Testament. He come as a foreshadowing of Christ. When Christ comes and takes the throne of Israel, it will be everlasting. He's, he's a David is also in the genealogical line of King David. This is also another prophecy that God gave. He said that... And, uh, Isaiah spoke in today's scripture that of his government there will be no end and that means that Jesus is coming, David is gone Israel is often in disarray, it's back as a state as, uh, as of uh, 1948 God has called them home and give them their land but it's still under uh, a constant threat of attack Every, you think about this little country where the Jews live, you think about the anti-Semitism that we have, you think of, everywhere around those people the, the Jewish nation, they hate those people. We have Iran who often says they want to wipe them off the map. That the, and that's, they've always been persecuted. They're just this little country that's bordered by nothing but hate and anger towards them. And here's the good thing. Nothing gets through. Amen? Nothing gets through. So when you look at yourself and realize that uh, that's the the israelite children the hebrew children that god is protecting and it, the whole world bar the, the the wise people which i hope we say wise because god says whoever blesses israel will be blessed it's our job to walk with israel to walk and be allies and partners with the jews and when we don't god is we, we're not going to be blessed we're going to be cursed but when you think about that and you think about as we're talking about these little things of hope and expectancy you would think it would be easy for Iran to lob a nuclear weapon or some weapon into Israel and just wipe it out. They can't do it because God's hand of protection is around. There's some miracles that happen as they overcome, and uh, I've watched some of the documentaries on there. Uh, one time the Israelite, or the Israeli uh, soldiers get, find out that they're, and this is true, they find out that they're in the middle of this minefield And they realize that, and they're out here in the middle of this minefield, if they step the wrong way, this whole company of soldiers is going to be blown to smithereens. I don't know what kind of mines, but if you step on them, they blow you up, basically. And they they stop, and I've seen this, I can't remember where the documentary was, if I find it, I'll show it to you, but it always amazed me, because it's a true life, it's a reenactment, but it's a true life thing that happened. They They stop, and they wait upon God, and God sends a strong wind into this minefield and blows the dirt and the dust off the top of all these mines and they see them laid out and they navigate their way through there and nobody gets hurt. God giving them their land back. Now you can you can argue well pastor you know I believe that's 100% true. I believe God can do that. I was a little off track but that was good preaching. Third candle symbolizes joy. And that's the pink candle that we will light on the third week. Um, to be the, 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 to the shepherd's great joy, the angels announce that Jesus come uh, for the humble, for the unimportant people like them. Too in, in liturgy, uh, the color rose often or pink signifies joy. That should be great hope to us, especially in the day and age we live where we have elites ruling over us that, that think they need to tell us whether or not we should be able to drink a Big Gulp or not. I don't even think they have Big Gulps no more, do they? I don't go to 7-Eleven, but the, just because we don't have one, there would be there probably. The, uh, I used to like the little rolled tacos they had. But, but we have these elites, and they, they want to uh, tell us all these things, and, um, and they, many times... Us common folk, we look down like uh, I, when we talk about politics, they are they, like we don't really matter. We don't know what we we don't know what's good for us because we're just a bunch of you know hillbillies out here in the middle part of the state or the country, and, and the, the, the elite super thinkers will take care of us. Don't worry about it. Just follow what they say, and we see how that's going. So um, I'm going to move on, so I don't get on a sidetrack on that. The fourth candle represents peace, and it's called the angels' candle angels announced that Jesus came to bring peace and he came to bring peace bring people close to God and to each other again. Now I want you to think about these things as we're talking about them not just in when Jesus came in the manger as a baby but he's also coming we're looking forward to this happening again. But Jesus isn't coming back as a humble vulnerable infant. He's coming back as a lion the Lion of the tribe of Judah, in power, in a great glory, glory like the world has never seen before. Everything, all this oppression, all this sickness, all this death, all of these things that that war against their spirit, that war against the peace and the love that Jesus gave, he's going to put an end to that. When that Armageddon, when, when all of these enemies decide they want to march down the river Euphrates and pick a fight with Jesus, It's going to be not a good day for them. It says in the book of Revelation that there will be blood as high as the horse's bridle over when you figure out the area. It's about a 200-mile square area. It's not going to be good for those that come against Christ. And we think about that, and I know sometimes Christmas is love and joy and peace, but you've got to think, this is why we have hope. This is why we have strength. Because nothing can overcome this man named Jesus, this king named Jesus, He's he's greater than David that that, that we we see in the light. He's greater than everything that has come before him or that will come after him. They're they're, they're foolish to stand against him, but they will do it because their their hearts are hardened and their minds are hardened. People say, well, why does God do that? God doesn't do that. You do that on your own. God's given you a heart of flesh. He's left a deposit of his spirit inside of your heart so that you would be drawn back to him by the power of the spirit. If you find yourself on the opposite side of God at any time and point in your life, that's because you chose to be there. And all you've got to do is choose not to be there and say, Jesus, come. I thought it was good this morning. I did not pick, oh, come y'all. I can't, whatever you guys sang that one hymn, Christmas song, you know my musical talent. So, yeah, but... I, 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 you read that. That's what we're talking about. We're, it's a prayer almost of a hymn that we sing. Oh, come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, Emmanuel. Come in, come into this world. Save us from ourselves, basically. Come into this world and set things right. That's the hope that we have this morning. That's the peace. That's the promise that we have this morning. The fifth candle. The, option, the white one in the middle. And we will light this. And if you don't know this, we have a Christmas Eve service. This is my little advertisement for you infomercial in the sermon but at six o'clock on christmas eve night we have a we've had a service here for as long as i've been around and it's a beautiful candlelit service do yourself a favor and come because god will bless you for being there on his birthday the eve of his birthday but it, the it's white because of light and purity in it, it, it represents light and purity and it's called the christ candle and it's placed in the little and is lit on Christmas Day. I found this. And this is a scripture that I often use when I say, but I, I have never. I don't. I don't think that I can remember ever put it in context with the Advent season. As but as I was studying the Book of Joel, talks about in the last days and. It says, let me read the scripture to you first. It says, in the last days, I'm taking it from Acts, what they quoted in Acts. It actually comes from the book of Joel, another prophet, uh, a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And he, he is actually uh, prophesying about the second coming, about the last days. And this is the part that, that struck me. Let me read this. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Verse 20 says, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood. We've seen the blood moons come uh, recently. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I had never put that context scripture in context until I, I read that uh, as in my studies. And Joel is actually prophesying to us that, in, 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 and here's a thought for you, that I knew this, but it, it, it kind of reawoken inside of me, that when Jesus was here, the last days began as He ascended. We are living in the last days. It may be 2,000 years so far but we are in the last days and I'm glad and I pray for more time because when you read that and you read this passage of scripture God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh as we speak. As he's pouring out his spirit that is the gift of the Holy Spirit that we have living within us if we so choose. I want to close with a couple of uh, questions that I, I believe the spirit is Asking us to pose to ourselves this morning. I believe the Spirit, it, it, I have my little question highlighted here. I, I believe the Spirit wants us to ask ourselves, because I, I, I think often we don't do this. The question is do we live out our lives here on this earth before our God with, within a spirit or a sense? of expectancy. Let me read that again, or say that again. Do we live out our lives here on earth in a spirit or sense of expectancy? We lit a candle today about hope. We place our hope in Christ. We place our hope in the hope of heaven. We place our hope in, I I think about yesterday as we were... uh, going out and using another one of the cards to the restaurants that uh, uh, I was at Cracker Barrel yesterday, thank you Tim and Leslie, I think it's where that one come from uh, my congregation knows me because I get little dinners all over the place, which I love so, but we're out Grandpa and Grandma took Charlie, little Charlie to basketball yesterday and on our I think on our way there by the way he says he loves Cracker Barrel that's where he wants to go next week so the uh, we're going to take up a special offering because that kid can eat. The, uh, but he begins to talk and ask questions about heaven. Well, What's heaven going to be like? Grandpa? Grandma? Not and Papa's who we are. And we begin to ask, at five years old, and he, he says, well, I don't, what are we going to do? Is it going to be fun? And I say, it's going to be way more fun than it is down here, I'm pretty sure. And not as actually, I'm trying to drive and Watch for dear And us as asking questions, answering questions. And, and just to hear the dialogue in a five-year-old's heart and mind questioning about what, what's heaven going to be like? You know, what are we going to do when we get there? And just, we, we, here's the thing. Do we live? That little boy lives in great expectancy. All our grandchildren do, and I'm sure yours do that, because when grandpa and grandma come, it's fun time. Amen. We're not there for rules and regulations. I already make that clear. I won't let nobody get hurt or get arrested or anything like that, but if they want to eat ice cream for breakfast, that's fine with me. I don't care. You want to eat sweet tarts for dinner, I don't care, fine. Just, you know, but... They, they, they live with that sense and that hope and that, that childlike faith. Is that why Jesus, and I believe it is, why Jesus says we must accept the kingdom of heaven as the little children? Do we live with that kind of excitement and expectancy towards our last days here on earth, towards going to heaven? And, and I'm not saying that we want to a rush and, 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 you know, I don't want you to run out on the highway because you're expecting to go to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But do, do, you, live, do you know the gift that you have inside of you once you receive Christ? Do you, know, do you live your life to the fullest like that? Do you expect, because the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, that the, the human mind can't even comprehend the half of what God has prepared for us in heaven. And when I begin to think of that, because I think of the things that I read in the Bible about heaven, I, I read about the streets of gold, I believe that's true. The things that we clamor after down here, the money, the riches... The, the jewels and and the the gates of pearl and all of these things those things that we that we clamor after and we try to pile up as treasure here on earth. God said, not use that for pavement at my place i you know we think about all these mansions and, and things that we are trying to build in the mass and, and he 's there building one for us right now. these banquets of and just and, and here's the thing when we sing that song or you hear that song I can only imagine can, just let that we'll, we'll I believe that we probably, I don't think I'll be standing. I think I'll be kneeling and praising God and just thanking Him. Because I think that the, the moment is going to take us over and bowl us right over. And when we realize that we've made it in there, and I say that often. Don't, I hope I make it. Don't say that. Have a hope. Live with the expectancy. Live like you're on your way to heaven. Live like you want to take somebody with you. Amen all right live like oh i'm just trying to skate by and scoot under the wire and this or that and and i've only heard of two people that didn't and and that didn't want to go to heaven that's no i don't believe in that stuff at the end of time we were talking about one it was our old contractor that used to work sell barns for joel tom and joel and i and tom went down there as he was dying of cancer and offered him the, the plan of salvation and he says you know tom i've never believed in that and he went out into eternity with that. That was one of our friends and, 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 and knew him for years and years and years and he went out into eternity with that. That's not a good place to be. And I, I know of one other uh, preacher's, preacher's wife or preacher's brother in laws that said, I'm going to hell on his deathbed. That's where he wanted to go. I can't imagine living life like that. I can't imagine that. I live with the hope and glory that someday when the trumpet sounds or when God calls me home by death in this mortal body, that I'm going and getting a new one. And I'm walking into a place filled with his glory and honor. I believe that when we hit those gates, I don't think there's going to be any way that we'll stand. When the brilliance of his light, Moses couldn't see him on the mountain. Moses got put into the cleft of the rock, it says. And God covered him with his hands and only let him see the back of him when he went by. And Moses come down and looked like burnt toast when he got down there because of how he was glowing and, and, and shining when he got down there. And that lasted and lasted for who knows how long. And we're going to stand and we're not just going to see the back of the Father. We're going to see Jesus face to face. I know there's some in here that that might be the only hope that you feel or or expectancy that you have. And, and I want to say this before I, I get out of this part. It's not just expectancy about going to heaven. This morning when I was praying with Frank over here about his niece, and it was Tricia Frank. I did have her mind in my head, but I couldn't remember if I was right or not. So I didn't want you to slug me later. So I just said, your your niece, but it's Trisha and she's having these seizures. And when I'm sitting in the seat and I'm praying for him, I expect God to move. Not that, I'm, not that I'm his boss, but he says, pray, ask, and it shall be done. How many times do we pray, and we think, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't, I don't know. I don't even know if he hears me. I had somebody the other day say, well, I, I, I don't really pray for myself. I said, that's kind of dumb. As, and I'm not praying to pray selfish prayer. I'm praying that God would help me and fill me and give me wisdom and protect me and guide me in this life. Pray for yourself first because then you will be of use to someone else. I expect when I go out into the world and I, 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 I ask God for opportunity to share the gospel, I expect that's going to happen. When I come to church, I expect I'm going to get blessed. I don't come here just to sit here and, as I say, ride the pine through the, on my way to heaven. And somebody asked me where I come up with that. Riding the pine is a term we used to use when I was a kid playing sports. If you set the bench, you were riding the pine. I didn't ride the pine much. I was pretty good. You won't believe it now, but I could play ball back then. But uh, my idea of riding the pine, when I come out of the game, I sat right down next to the coach. I, I want to go right back in. I was not a very nice person. I just wanted to play ball. But that's what I say. You can't, we got to get in the game. And when I come in here, I I expect to be blessed. I expect when I read God's word to learn something. No matter, I've read the Bible through a few times. But when I open it up, it says it's a living and active word, sharper than a double edged sword. I expect it's going to penetrate my heart and my mind and do something within me. I expect that when I read a scripture for the second or third or, or 15th time, that it's going to speak to me. And it speaks to me differently, often, many times. I expect that's going to happen. I expect when I preach the Word on the morning or, or on Wednesday night or wherever I'm at, the Bible says God's Word goes forth and it will accomplish what it pleases. It will never return void. Pastor Dave and I are praying that over um, uh, this concert and these things that we got coming on Sunday. We were praying that. We showed up here Wednesday and there was, I don't know, maybe 20 people here Wednesday night. 15, 20 people. Pray. We expected that God would show up. God showed up in a very powerful way. And if you weren't here, you missed out. Amen? Those of you that were here? All right. So there's a little, another little ad for you on Wednesday night. But you've got to expect, God wants us to expect and believe. He's not some statue that we pray to that sits there and looks good out in your front yard or on your table or something. It's a living and active. God is alive as He was the day He was here. He's alive, probably ever more so now as he, he intercedes and reacts for us. I expect there's another thing. I expect God to to intercede for me in the areas that I don't know about. I expect it says that He He has His angels have charge over me, so I won't even dash my foot against the stone. I expect His protection when I'm out there in the world. I've had I've, I've, I've actually had Him straighten. Probably his angel. I don't know if I actually get Jesus or not, but uh, an angel or whatever he does, it works for me. But I've had the ladder nearly tip over and come out from under me, and I've seen it just get. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because that hurts when you fall. And I've actually had that happen. The ladder would tip and I should have fell and it come back. I'm not that coordinated. I know that. God protected me. I expect His protection when I'm out there. I expect when I say His name in power and I take authority over a demon or a devil, I expect that demon or that devil has to flee because it says that in the Word. I don't go in twiddling my thumbs and, and hoping for the best. I have an expectancy about what God can do because I read His Word and I know what He can do. And if He did it then and it says He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, I know that He can do it again. Amen? When I got here, I accidentally turned that on air conditioning last night while I was working on the banners. I kind of wish I would have left it there right now. Worship team, you can come forward if you would, please. The last point I want to make today. Do we truly understand what we have placed our faith in? It goes back to that question and those things I just said. In the scriptures, Psalmist says in Psalm 22, writes these words. He says, "Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken." Do you know where your hope? Is placed this morning. Do you understand the power that God has to keep you? Lamentations, i I I've seen this. It says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, the one who seeks Him. Do you realize that you put your hope in a God who cannot fail? In a God who cannot be beaten? In a God who has who never lost, who has never faltered, who has never sinned? who has never written a word that he didn't mean or, or did a thing he, he hadn't thought of. if you, you thought about the God that we've placed our hope and our hand in? A God who cannot sin. A God who has never done wrong. A God who has created... A God that has never made a mistake. How many places... A God where if you place your retirement in Him... It won't go because Freddie and Fannie Mae or whatever the crash that was called a few years ago, it won't be wiped out because when you place your treasures in Him, He's never going to lose your your inheritance that you have. Your hope is placed on nothing less than God's righteousness. I say that and and the Scripture came to me as I was finishing up and studying this morning. And when we... I see so many people worried, so many people under stress, so many people, and I I just, I want to say, and and I'm not saying I don't go through times of anxiety, there's not times where where stress comes and and worry comes. I think of the song that um, we sang when we were children, sometimes we sing, maybe we could sing sometime, but we used to sing it, I forget who sung it, but we, Jesus loves the little children of the world, red, yellow, black, or white. All are precious in His sight. He's got the whole world in His hands. I don't think that's the same song, is it? I don't know. but so, That's why He's here. So It is when I sing it. I'm your boss, so I'm always right, right? Yeah, there you go. But when you think about that, where your hope is, where neither moth nor rust can destroy, yet we run around worried. We run around one of the leading causes of death in this nation, it's heart disease, because of the stress and the worry and the striving that we do. Stress breaks up relationships and marriages. Stress, kids causes us tremendous stress. We worry about their future. We worry about what they're going to do, who they're going to marry, where they're going to go to school, what they're doing right now, because God only knows in the it just, it, there's just so many things out there worry about my health, my heart. And I'm saying those are all good things to be concerned over, but it's not good stuff to be anxious. Be anxious. Be not anxious, but put your hope in God. I just screwed that up. But this is the um, um, Scripture. One we don't think about much, maybe at the time of of, um, Advent and hope and expectancy, but Jesus said these words to us. He says, come to me all... Who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When you can place your hope in the righteousness of God, when all your chips are on the table in God's favor, we can come to Him. Superintendent, often talks to us pastors about, are you tending to your own soul? You tend to souls. It's what you do. You're a shepherd. Do you tend to your own soul? I ask you that this morning. Do you tend to your own soul? Where's your soul at this morning? Is it heavy and burdened? Is it weary and weak? Or have you placed it in the master's hand where he can give you rest? No matter, I I, I know there's situations that we will find ourselves in and and, and that we will want to change the course. When I pray with people for healing and directions and different things, and and I always tell them this, and say, look, I don't pray a a consolation prayer here, but sometimes I'll explain to you, God lets you go through some stuff to get you where He wants to get you. And He doesn't always heal you the way you want, but He gives you the answer that you need. You may not know it, you may not see it, you may not understand it now, but when your hope is in Him, you can rest and wherever He has you. You know if, you're la- if your hope is in Him and you're lying there and you're taking your last breath. I could not imagine going out of this world without having my hope in Christ. But that's the point of rest. You, you, if you've ever been with a, a person full of faith when they pass away, it's one of the most peaceful things you'll ever see. There's a bit of struggling sometimes with breathing. You see that? But when you see... I've seen people reach out. They see Jesus. I've heard them call out to Him. They see Jesus. They know where they're going. Do you have that kind of rest in your soul this morning? That is something where you can place your hope on a solid rock of Christ. Because if you believe in Him and you've asked for forgiveness of your sin. You're going to heaven. Now go tell somebody and let them find that rest. The greatest thing that I've ever had God give me, oh, oh, I say this, salvation and, and the hope of heaven, but there is the peace that comes with that. Peace that passes all understanding. So I'll stand this morning. Join me in prayer. Father, this morning, as we come into your presence, Lord, as we pray before this service, we pray that we know your spirit is here. We know that your spirit is omnipresent and everywhere, but we always pray and ask that you would come in a powerful way so that we might worship you and praise you and lift your name up and and bring glory and honor to your name. And Father, I believe that's happened in this place this morning. Father, I believe your spirit is here speaking to us, speaking to us individually, oftentimes. And, and Lord, I, I don't know everybody that's here. Father, I don't know every situation that is here uh, that's going on in everybody's life, but I, I just feel you uh, moving on people's hearts and on their minds. And, and, and Father, I, there may be somebody here that has not turned their life over to Christ, that hasn't believed in, and doesn't have this hope secured that I talked about, this expectancy. And Father, as I pray, I just want them to know that I'm not going to, to embarrass them. I'm not going to ask them to come forward. I, I'm going to ask them to, to pray a prayer with me and then maybe step by and see me after service so that I can pray with them again. And, 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 but I'm going to give them an opportunity to receive your grace and your love into your life. Father, there also there may be someone here this morning that have slipped away backsliding as we call it around the church Lord but in a, in a another way maybe I I walked with God when I was a kid and, and I've been away from church for a while Lord uh, maybe I was going and something happened and I left and I'm back and I'm looking for God and I pray that you would pray this prayer as well and it, it's more than just words mean it in your heart and to say Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen away. And I ask that you would forgive me. That you would cast my sin as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. That you would come into my heart with the power and presence of your Holy Spirit and reside there and lead and guide me by your Spirit. And I will repent. Repentance is simply turning and going a different way. I will repent and I will follow you from this day forward to for the best I can with the power and help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as they pray that prayer and they mean it in their heart and their mind and, and maybe there's stuff that they say, well, Pastor, I need to, I got stuff, I got to get rid of That's what we're here for. But if they, Father, I pray that right now they know that if they've prayed that prayer beyond the shadow of a doubt, they can rest today. Their weary and burdened soul can rest in the hope, in the promise that they are a child of the Most High God now. That they've been born again of the Spirit of God. And that they have an eternal home, an eternal hope, and home and promise of heaven where things will be set right someday when you choose to come back. Father, I just pray as we go through this Advent season that you would speak to hearts and minds. Father, that you would draw them close into your love and your grace. That you would bless them. Father, that you would answer the prayers of the, that are being prayed in this place this morning and in their, on Wednesday night and in the cars or the, the, the workplace or the lunchroom or wherever they're being prayed. Father, that you would answer them and that you would use it to bring glory and honor to your name so that we could testify and tell them that Jesus did that. We need to know Jesus. Father, I pray that we rest in those things this week and throughout this Christmas season. Father, and I thank you, and I bless your holy name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. We dismiss.